0: Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas and I want to thank you for being here and being a proactive parent and getting the resources that you need to help your child on your recovery journey. And as you know, I was told when my son was diagnosed with autism to drug him and try behavioral therapies and good luck, but that would be all we could do for him. But like you, I searched and I began my own research and I kept researching until I found the answers. And now, almost over a decade later, my son is fully recovered. So I'm here to share with you resources to help you get your child to the optimum results. And I also want to let you know that I do have a free online workshop, the four stages to naturally recover from the symptoms of autism and it kind of explains those four stages that I took my son through and now I share with other parents and I have an online program as well uh, the free online workshop is the stage one is healing the gut stage two is natural heavy metal detoxification, stage three is clearing the co-infections which are mold, lime and strep, and others and then stage four is brain support and repair and you can get all of that information uh, again for free free at natural naturally recovering dot com forward slash free workshop. No spaces, just free workshop. And today we have a special guest with us again, and we're going to be talking about mast cell activation. And this is something that I know a lot of parents are really not aware of, but it is really a fascinating subject. And if you have a child with autism, it's something you really need to know about. Uh, We'll we'll go into explaining what mast cells are and more about them, but basically they help to regulate things like the immune system, and they're really involved in allergies. As you've noticed, your child has a lot of allergies and allergic reactions, and um, they also help protect things like the blood-brain barrier, and uh, which protects our brain from toxins. And then our kids get really, really what we call oversensitive to things like sugars and pesticides and perfumes and environmental toxins. And um, and so that mast cell activation can be why. And if you're working really hard to recover your child from their symptoms of autism, that this could be something getting in the way so we're going to help you to understand more about it and what you can do to make sure that that is not as we call it hijacking your um your uh, autism protocol and everything that we'll talk about today i will link to at a page i've created for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 42 the number's two. And uh, if you heard us last week on the show, uh, I had Dr. Martin Paul, and he was talking about, we talked about electromagnetic field pollution, and he is quite famous in the genetics and biochemistry arena. And we ended the show, as I mentioned that I was doing this week's show on mast cell activation, he talked about how, uh, how mast cells are greatly affected by electromagnetic field pollution. So um, you can go back and listen to a couple of those past episodes that I've done on the electromagnetic field as well um, and some links I'll link to on the page here for this show. But today we have Dr. Beth O'Hara with us. And I'm going to give you a little bit of her background so you can understand uh, who she is as well. She is a functional naturopath specializing in complex chronic health conditions related to mast cell activation, including autism spectrum disorders, mold toxicity, histamine intolerance, and chemical sensitivities. She is the founder and owner of Mast Cell 360, a functional naturopathy practice designed to look at all factors surrounding health conditions, genetic, biochemical, mental, emotional, social, and environmental. She is a doctoral candidate in functional naturopathy through the New Eden School of Natural Health. She holds a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and a bachelor's in uh, physiological psychology. She is certified in functional genome analysis and a research advisor for the Neutrogenetic Research Institute, Institute. She presents at Functional Medicine Conferences and will be speaking next at the 2019 Environmental Toxins Genomic Conference. And uh, She has her website is MassCell360 and I will link to it as well, but um, we're going to go into what mass cells are, so thank you uh, Dr. O'Hara for being here with us today, I greatly appreciate your time and your expertise.
1: Thank you so much, Karen. I'm really excited to join you today because this information on mast cells and autism is really fascinating to me as well. And I think this might be a big missing key for many children on the autism spectrum.
0: I agree. I think that it's it's, it's really unknown by a lot of not only parents but practitioners as well. So why don't we start with just, you know, at square one, what are mast cells? And then we'll go into what is mast cell activation syndrome.
1: Okay, so the mast cells are really important immune cells in the body and they're the first line defenders for any kind of infection or allergen. So mast cells protect us from viruses and bacteria and parasites and even um, fungal infections like candida and mold. And the mast cells job is to surround and isolate that invader and then it signals to the other immune cells that there's a problem and that signaling mobilizes the rest of the immune system to come in and clean up this infectious agent or this allergen. So I think of the mast cells like the front front line guards to a castle where the castle is the body. And the mast cells are there to make sure nothing gets into the castle that shouldn't be there, but also to kind of monitor and allow things that are okay into the castle. So the mast cells should be able to recognize which things are a problem and which things aren't a problem. And then the way they work, the mast cells have these different receptors on the surface of the cells and different things can dock on those receptors to activate the mast cells. So, for example, chemicals produced by the Lyme bacteria or when a mosquito uh, stings or bites, there's excretions, the mast cells will, those excretions will dock on the mast cells and those mast cells will go into action. And these mast cells are really intelligent cells. They can selectively release over 200 different chemicals. The most well-known one is histamine. So most people have heard of histamines and antihistamines. But the mast cells can release all of these other inflammatory mediators as well. So different cytokines and prostaglandins and chemokines. They can even release serotonin and These different types of chemicals are what cause the cascade of immune signaling to protect the body.
0: And when you use the word cascade of inflammation, it reminds me directly of mold. I've done several episodes on the mold biotoxins, and that's basically what happens: is that that the body creates this cascade of inflammation, and then it just continues to do so because it's fighting, as it naturally, the immune system naturally sees it needs to do, but it 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 doesn't stop creating inflammation because the fight they never seem it never seems to win the fight. So that's where a lot of the problems come from: is this this cascade of inflammation that happens. So so mast cell activ- activation syndrome is basically when are you saying that it's when these these mast cells get turned on and then they they stay on because they're doing this continual fight that they sort of can't win.
1: Exactly. They can get dysregulated.
0: Okay. You know, we have to, this is a great place to to take a short break right here. Um, And then when we come back, we're going to talk about mast cell activation syndrome and then also its regulation, which I think will be really, really uh, fascinating to hear about. So you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. We will be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about mast cell activation and could it be hijacking your autism protocol? And before the break, we started talking about how these various chemicals and sensitivities in the environment can trigger these mast cells and they can create things like a cascade of inflammation in the body. And if you've been tuning in for a while, I've done several episodes on things like the mold biotoxin issue and that is uh, that's a a great example because that is what happens you get this cascade of inflammation in the body from the immune system seeing something to react to but it can't win the fight so it continues so we have Dr. Beth O'Hara with us today who is a specialist in mast cell activation and Dr. O'Hara so can you go into we started a little bit before the break on this regulation of it so what happens when these mast cells get activated this way
1: well, Karen, any kind of chronic infection like, as you were describing before, ongoing mold exposure or, or even once the mold has colonized the body, um, so mold toxicity, Lyme, chronic Lyme, other chronic infections. Even things that are not infectious, but cause continual activation of the mast cells, like ongoing EMF exposure, chemical exposures, metal toxicity, any of these things can cause dysregulation of the mast cells. And so when the mast cells become dysregulated, if we go back to that metaphor we were discussing before the break of the castle and the mast cells of the guard, in mast cell activation syndrome, the mast cells start attacking things that are not harmful to the body as well as the things that are harmful. So they lose their, if we call it, um, targeting system. And the targeting system is what's becoming dysregulated. So then they start over at the invaders. And this is where you can see larger than normal reactions to things like bug bites. And they also start shooting at things that are... Not a problem at all. So, and in the metaphor I called those the butterflies. So the butterflies can be things like foods, or low levels of chemicals that wouldn't normally bother other people. Maybe like the fragrance in the, um, in the dryer sheets. Now I don't like fragrance in general, but most people aren't bothered by fragrances. People with mast cell activation are. And then the mast cells uh, get so busy shooting at these butterflies that they can miss firing at the Lyme infection, the mold infection, Um, and then some other infectious agents can start to slip in when there's this dysregulation. So in mast cell activation syndrome, the mast cells aren't doing their jobs correctly anymore. And in this um, activation syndrome, the mast cells are becoming overreactive and they start overreleasing these inflammatory chemicals in the body. So we can get set up for this with genetic predispositions and I know Bob Miller's done a great job on this show talking about some of those genetic predispositions. Um, And it can also be acquired with the different things we talked about. Even hormone imbalances can affect mast cell activation. There's an estimate uh, by mast cell researchers that anywhere from 10 to 17% of the general population have mast cell activation syndrome. And we don't know how common it is yet in autism, but I suspect it may be as high as 75%. It's, it's quite
0: frequent. Wow. And is there a way to, is it just that you, you know, as a parent, we, we watch our children and we see that they have these hypersensitivities to things, or is there something where it would be, like, helpful in any way to test? I always hesitate with testing because sometimes you say, well, I, I know my child has it, what what do I need to spend the money on the test for?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's ex- <laughs> That's a great question. I do like people to get um, tryptase tested because you want to rule out something called mastocytosis. This is a different type of mast cell disorder. It's uh, very rare, but it's different than mast cell activation syndrome in that in mastocytosis, there's way too many mast cells. Whereas in mast cell activation syndrome, we have normal number of mast cells, but they're overreactive. So if somebody's having really severe symptoms, I want to make sure that we're dealing with the mast cell activation syndrome, which is much easier to manage than something, a more severe mast cell disorder like mastocytosis. Beyond that, you can get um, urine 24-hour N-methylhistamine testing. It's tricky because you have to collect that urine for 24 hours. It has to stay chilled the entire time. It has to stay chilled on the way to the lab. The lab has to keep it chilled. And then they have to, um, they have to go ahead and run that lab pretty soon after it arrives. So you see there's a lot of places where that one can um, end up with false negatives. And beyond that, there's um, triptase levels aren't normally elevated in mast cell activation syndrome occasionally. The problem with any other testing is that the mast cell mediators go up and down very quickly. So you can test for things like chromogranin A. Um, we can test for plasma histamine, test for some of the interleukins, which are um, some of the mediators that are released. But they're, they're in the blood and then they're gone very quickly. And you have to catch it right at the height of um, a flare, And so it's not, the testing is not reliable. So we mostly go on health history and symptoms.
0: And these would be um, basically these, I mean, I would say, I mean, you're saying 70, you you were guessing about 75% of children with autism have it. And in my experience from seeing these hypersensitivities, I would venture to say 100% of them do. I mean, just from watching the the amount, the hundreds if not thousands of people, parents that I've spoken with, and then my own son back when, when he had it, and, and just that the system gets so triggered, uh, so heavily triggered so easily. It's these hypersensitivities. So what are things that um, that that you would say might be related to autism with uh, mast cell activation. And then, um, and then how somebody might know is it's based on these kinds of symptoms like, okay, so they have histamine sensitivities, which, um, you know, you, you can learn about, but uh, uh, hypersensitivities to, um, you know, perfumes, environmental toxins. Because our kids are basically, I call them canaries out here in this, you know, this earth. They're so sensitive to things, and there's so many chemicals. And um, so, uh, what are there any specific symptoms you're talking about other than what what we're talking about now? Or and then what else? What what also can a parent do about it?
1: Yeah, let's talk about symptoms, and I love that you called it, um, call them canaries because that's what we call uh, people with mast cell activation syndrome as well. They're the, they're the people who are reacting first and having the largest reactions to these toxins in the world that are affecting all of us, but people with mast cell activation and autism are getting affected more quickly.
0: Okay. You know what? Let's take a short break right here. And when we come back, we'll get into some of these symptoms and reactions uh, that parents can really look for that, that might be helpful to determine um, without the testing since some of the testing is unreliable if a child might be uh, have these uh, mast cell activation syndrome going on. And then we'll get into, of course, at some point what we can do about it as well. So you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Please stay with us. We will be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? Now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop, empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it.
0: Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas and today we are talking about mast cell activation and could it be hijacking your autism protocol and we have Dr. Beth O'Hara with us and she is a functional naturopath who is specializing in mast cell activation syndrome and we're talking about some of those symptoms uh, now uh, before the break we got into uh, starting to talk about how how you as a parent might be able to watch for some of these symptoms in your child. So Dr. O'Hara Sarah, can you give us, uh, you know, some of those symptoms that a parent might might want to look for? Absolutely. The big part
1: of why this syndrome was a mystery for so long is that the mast cells are in most of the tissues in the body, so symptoms can be really varied depending on what symptoms are affected. And this is this syndrome has been such a mystery. It actually only got a diagnosis code and ICD-10 code in 2016. So that's how new, um, wow. at least having a name for this is. So there's way too many symptoms to talk about today. I'm gonna to hit the highlights and then people can go to the website at massal 360com and click on MCAS for Mast Activation Syndrome and there's a more complete list. The symptoms are usually grouped by body systems. So if we think about just general symptoms over for overall fatigue, feeling bad, a lot of the sensitivities to foods, medications, environmental, chemical, general inflammation, swelling, and then in the muscular and skeletal systems, if we think about pain that moves around, general muscular and bone pain, hyperflexible joints, in uh, skin, this is a common one, but not everyone has skin reactions. So when they do, there are things like flushing and hives. There's usually a reddish or reddish complexion, but it can also be a pale complexion, itching, burning sensations. Um, if When scratching, there's a lot of redness that's, Days or white marks that stay after scratching the skin, even psoriasis and eczema. Um, you can with the heart, you can get fast heartbeat, heart palpitations, dizziness and lightheadedness standing up and low blood pressure. Digestive issues are common, so things like diarrhea and cramping, ab- abdominal pain, nausea, sometimes vomiting, reflux, reflux, trouble swallowing um, can happen. Bloating, food sensitivities, food allergies, and then the brain and nervous system ones I think are really interesting With when we're talking about autism. We get things like brain fog, short-term memory issues, trouble recalling words, headaches and migraines, depression, nerve pain, anxiety, insomnia, um, can get ear ringing and temperature changes. And then lung um, symptoms sometimes occur, and this will be like congestion, increased mucus production, or increased phlegm, coughing, wheezing, asthma. There can be eye symptoms with eye pain and redness and inflammation. And even the reproductive system can be affected, and that's going to cause painful periods and hormonal imbalances. And people don't have all of these symptoms usually I have some people who do but usually we're looking for two systems that are involved at least two systems now sometimes people aren't aware especially if their child isn't verbal that there's more than one system involved but usually there's something like digestive and skin with autism we can always go with there's a neurological component um, we can look at things like chemical sensitivities so I would say really be looking for things like flushing, rashes, hives, more swelling from mosquito bites or bud bites than other children have, skin that gets red easily or raises up from being scratched. If there's wheezing or excess mucus, coughing or asthma, GI issues, food sensitivities, and things like inso- anxiety and insomnia, then we want to start thinking about could there be mast cell activation syndrome.
0: Well, it sounds like you've pretty much covered everybody on the planet. <laughs> there, there's, there's oh, so think, many. You see why we think
1: this is common.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised. That's very interesting that it was just given a diagnostic code in 2016. I mean, that's that's very recent. So this has just been right. uh, detected. So, okay, so it's obvious you look for two systems involved, and that that can kind of give you an indication of, okay, this is likely going on. So from there, what um, You know, I've also noticed noticed that you say what can cause mast cell activation in children with autism spectrum disorders, and I'm assuming that we're looking at, of course, they have the heavy metal sensitive, well, we all have heavy metal sensitive, but they have a real sensitivity to chemicals, there's heavy metals, there's air pollution, there's pollution in water, there's electromagnetic field pollution, again, um, Please listen, uh, if, uh, listeners. If you haven't heard uh, some of my past episodes on electromagnetic field pollution, this is a really big deal. And Dr. Martin Paul, who I interviewed on in my last show, number 41, he talked about how mast cell activation was really triggered by electromagnetic fields. And uh, and I did another episode. Prior to that one with Corey Hillis about how you can protect yourself and your family from electromagnetic field pollution, some solutions. Um, so, so these are some causes, and then um, what are the steps? I mean, what at this point, what could a parent do? They say, okay, my child has one or more of these symptoms. So, what might I do?
1: Right. Let me hit on a couple of the other triggers and then let's go into that. Um, sure. A few, few others are food triggers and people often think about higher histamine foods. These are things like spinach, pineapple, uh, ground meats, fermented foods are high histamine. Um, but then other foods, there's glutamate. Some foods are naturally high in glutamates like Parmesan cheese and bone broth and peas, um, oxalates, salicylates, and lectins. Now, not everybody's sensitive to all of those, so we have to find out which is specific to that child. And then other food chemicals like sulfites, preservatives like sodium benzoate and potassium sorbate, pesticides like glyphosate, a lot of these things. So when we think about peeling back the layers about why these things are occurring, why they're a problem, when we peel them back, we can see there's usually a mast cell component here. Um, another place where I see triggers are with supplements and fillers and supplements and so with mast cell activation niacin can trigger histamine release especially in those who are under methylators but also too much methylfolate can stimulate mast cells so sometimes I have children come in on the spectrum who've been put on five six or seven milligrams of methylfolate which is a lot of methylfolate and they're having a lot of mast cell activation I'm not saying that's Not okay for everybody. Some people that really works well for, but some of the kids that I see that are have mast cell activation are getting worse and um, worse insomnia and agitation with those high levels of methylfolate. So we try to use some smaller amounts there. There are a lot of genetic factors that can be involved uh, in mast cell activation syndrome. Anything genetically that's contributing to increased inflammation is going to affect the mast cells. And then anything that affects histamine breakdown, it affects the enzymes that break down histamine. And then there's different nutrient deficiencies. Um, particularly children in autism have often have trouble with sulfur metabolism. And sulfur compounds are needed by the mast cells to stabilize themselves through a chemical called heparin sulfate. But then we also need things like copper and B6 to make enzymes that break down um, histamine, And then another one that not a lot of people are talking about is low oxygen because of airway obstructions. And so I do a screen um, with all the um, kids that I work with and adults and um, for just a very basic screen for airway obstruction and then refer to an airway specialist if there might be a problem. But here we're looking for things like a forward head posture if there's snoring. There's a narrow dental arch if there's scalloping on the edge of the tongue where the tongue is crowding into the teeth, then we want to think about if there could be um, an airway obstruction. This has a huge impact on brain inflammation in mast cells. And then stress is another big one. And I was really happy that you were talking about emotional stress because we already live in a stressful world. And then being on the autism spectrum is so much more stressful if people are um, Sensitive to things like the television being on or the radio being on these kind of sensory disorders that kind of stress can increase muscle activation as well.
0: Well, that's interesting too, because there's so many kids on the autism spectrum that have sensory uh Uh, disorders as well and I did a a past episode on myofunctional disorders and that is all about the airway passageway so I will link to that also in the show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 42 for this show. We're going to take a short break right here and when we come back we will uh, continue. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas and thank you for being here and getting the information and the resources that you need to help your child on their recovery process. Today, we are talking about mast cell activation, and this is something that is newer, uh, more newer and known in, in just the diagnostic arena in general, but especially for autism. And we have Dr. Beth O'Hara here today with us, and she is a functional naturopath and specializes in mast cell activation syndrome, where these mast cells can get overactivated. activated. And uh, Dr. O'Hara, so you have some research on mast cell activation. Activation, specifically uh, how it relates to autism. Is that correct?
1: Yes, there's actually quite a lot of research on mast cells and autism. So Dr. Theo Herides is uh, one of the world's leading researchers on mast cells, and he's done a lot of pioneering work in the area of how mast cells are involved in autism. And since he started his research, there are now hundreds of research articles just since January 1st, 2018, that mention autism and mast cells, and there's thousands just since January of 2010. So we don't have all the time to cover, we don't have time to cover all the ways that mast cells are involved in autism, because that would take us days, but I'll hit on some of the highlights from the research. And one of the things to know is that there are large concentrations of mast cells in the brain, and since it's the job of mast cells to create inflammation to protect the body, then once those mast cells are activated, they're going to release inflammatory molecules when, uh, when needed. And if everything's going well, it'll be just enough inflammation. So we often think about inflammation as being a bad thing, but it's not. Inflammation should be occurring in a regulated way, in a way that's supporting the body, and then it should be coming back down to a normal level. What happens though is when there's too much inflammation from these mast cells becoming overreactive, those inflammatory compounds released by the mast cells can cause leaky blood-brain barrier. So levels of mast cell mediators um, that are inflammatory have been shown in research to be higher and cerebral spinal fluid in those with autism spectrum disorders. And autism spectrum disorders are associated with immune dysfunction, which often, um, almost always involves the mast cells. Not always, but usually. And mitochondrial dysfunction is very common. And the oxidative stress and inflammation that arises from mitochondrial dysfunction also increases mast cell activation. And then if we think about anxiety being very common in those with autism spectrum disorders, the increase in stress alone from anxiety increases mast cell activation itself and can create more blood-brain barrier disruption, but also just the biochemical anxiety, Uh, there can be a mast cell component to uh, the biochemical component of that, so you get a feedback loop there, and then there's also a large number of mast cells anywhere where the body meets the outside world, so the skin, the entire GI tract, the eyes, in um, the mucosal lining of the eyes, and many children with autism have gut issues that are strongly correlated with mast cell activation. And then there was a 2017 study in Nature that showed that histamine signaling genetic variants and autism spectrum disorders uh, are much more common, especially for those for histamine-degrading enzymes. And there was a 2018 paper on autism and pain that was relating to hypermobility disorders like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. These are connective tissue disorders of the joints, and they cause chronic pain. And mast cells are really concentrated in the joints and involved in these hypermobility disorders that are common in autism. Then another big place of research has been mercury toxicity in autism and how the mercury at even low levels. Have been shown to cause mast cell activation and increase mast cell related inflammation as part of the body's response to mercury and particularly it increases a mast cell mediator called vascular endothelial growth factor so it's usually abbreviated vegf or vegf and that's involved in creating the leaky blood brain barrier but there's also some other mast cell inflammatory mediators there and another area Um, that we could touch on at some point in the future, Karen, is that many children with severe autism spectrum disorders have increased urinary porphyrins, and these are associated with mercury toxicity, and those urinary porphyrins are created when the mercury disrupts something called the heme pathway, and these porphyrins are very toxic themselves and also cause further mast cell dysregulation. So, again, another place of these downward spirals where something triggers mast cell dysregulation, the mast cells are over-releasing inflammation. That over-inflammation further dysregulates the mast cells and then something we get is called a mast cell cascade and this is where the mast cells are degranulating. there's release of inflammation. The inflammation, inflammatory molecules trigger the surrounding mast cells. If those mast cells are also dysregulated, they'll keep releasing more inflammatory molecules and keep going and keep going and keep going. And it spreads almost like a forest fire where you start with a little spark or some inflammation and then things keep spreading and suddenly the whole body
0: is on fire. Wow. And and when you say increased urinary proliferance, what would, because there are a lot of uh, issues with uh, urination, of course, what what would a symptom of that be that would be just kind of basic that a parent could see from that? Is there something that that comes to top of mind with that one?
1: Often with the heme pathway dysregulations, we get things like anxiety, um, sometimes well, it it's an often abdominal, generalized abdominal pain, but there's no trigger. So if you press on the abdomen, it doesn't worsen the pain. can't find anything abdominally, um, but there's just this general pain. Um, you can get nausea, you can get vomiting, um, and then there's a whole host of symptoms. If there's mast cell involvement, then we loop back into that mast cell activation issue, and you can do urinary testing for those.
0: Okay. Um, All right. We need to take a short break right here, uh, but when we come back, we'll talk maybe a little bit about some of the diets and supplements and things that can actually help some of the uh, autism spectrum symptoms um, worsen, uh, possibly if there's mast cell activation and uh, other things that can maybe be helpful. So stay with us. We will be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to NaturallyRecoveringAutism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it.
0: Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Today we are talking about mast cell activation and its relationship to autism. And um, we've given you a a lot of background of, of symptoms to look for, and now I think it's really important to know... Some of the things that um, maybe it can worsen, worsen the activation but also more importantly like what are some steps that you can do for it and we have Dr. Beth O'Hara here today with us and she is a specialist in mast cell activation and, and uh, Dr. O'Hara I'm wondering if you can give parents uh, some, some tips, some ideas of what they can do to help their child and um, relieve some of the mast cell activation
1: Absolutely, so The first thing I do is first when I'm working with a child is to find out how much involvement is there, how much mast cell involvement is there, and is there something called histamine intolerance. And this is where the body has difficulty breaking down histamines from foods or even the histamines that are released by the mast cells. Um, There's enzymes that break those histamines down. And if those enzymes are affected genetically or we don't have the cofactors we talked about before, like C6 and copper, um, then we have to be more careful with histamine foods. So that's the first point of uh, making decision point is do we have a histamine intolerance? And so if we do, we want to be careful with some of the higher histamine foods. Now, I'm not saying these are a problem for everybody. They're not. But for people with histamine intolerance, and especially if they have histamine intolerance combined with mast cell activation, they could really cause an issue. And so some of these are, a lot of our fermented foods. Um, So things like the raw fermented sauerkraut, um, kefir, kombucha. Um, These are so wonderful for healing the gut, except when there's mast cell involvement Um, and with this histamine intolerance. Now, some people with mast cell activation are okay with those, so we have to find out. Um, And some of the other foods that are higher in histamine are things like spinach and avocados and mushrooms and pineapples and strawberries. So I like to check for that first and see, do we think we have histamine intolerance? If we do, let's try a lower histamine diet and see if things start to clear up. And so that could be a place, especially if somebody's doing GAPS, Um, or other types of diets where they're using a lot of bone broth and fermented foods, and they're seeing itching or flushing or rashes or increase um, in diarrhea or trouble sleeping or increased stemming, then that would be a good time to maybe step back and try a low histamine diet and some low histamine interventions for healing the gut. And then um, the next point I do is I take a look at the supplement list and see is there anything in the supplement list that could be affecting mast cell activation, could be triggering it more. And if so, then we have to weigh how important is this to this child? Is it helping overall or is it causing more mast cell activation. And so some of these that I look at are um, sometimes in antimicrobial protocols. They use clove and uh, spices like clove, um, also these aren't in antimicrobial protocols, but nutmeg or allspice, those can increase, um, cause histamine increase or some mast cell degranulation. So I check for those. I check for niacin, that causes some um, histamine release so if there's flushing and itching with taking niacin we might need to taper that back or try there's other forms of b3 which is what niacin is that are a little better tolerated much better tolerated actually and then we look at also um, ways to calm down the mast cells and so depending on how flared up the child is and we start looking at things that can help calm it down and so a lot of children can do okay with some herbs like Chinese skullcap is a really good mast cell stabilizer. Um, holy basil is a really good one. I've been using Uh, supplement called PEA which works on calming brain inflammation and I really love magnesium threonate it's the only form of magnesium that crosses the blood-brain barrier it's very calming to the mast cells it helps calm that brain inflammation so there's some of the places to start and then we get really um, nuanced based on labs based on symptoms so it's different for everybody but when there's mast cell involvement we just want to make sure we're taking that into account in um, developing and customizing autism protocols
0: okay well this is really helpful um, uh, yeah I even one of the bonuses I do in my in my online program are the is the histamine diet because I, I know that it's not just a one-size-fits-all for everyone and of course you want to get rid of the the, the the processed carbohydrates and the sugars and and of course gluten and casein and various things like that but and glutamates and food colorings but the histamine thing is something that most people don't know about and and if you know how to um how to watch your child or what to feed them and and have more information on that and and how to learn if a food is okay for your child or not uh, it can be really really helpful and I know um holy basil is also a great adrenal adaptogen, and most of our kids have adrenal issues, so um that can be really helpful as well um and skull cap is being used in um in some uh some ways for uh some of the um you know the viral components so it can has multi um benefits as there there as well um okay, and so are there um So diets and the certain supplements, and and you said PEA. Can you um, elaborate on PEA a a little bit? Sure. So
1: PEA is something that our brains produce naturally, um, but some people don't produce enough of it. And it's a long name, so I'm going to try to say it for you here. It's alamide. So this is a a type of lipid, which is a type of fat that's distributed throughout the body, and then it can be made made in the body as needed, and it has anti-inflammatory and neuroprotective effects. The reason I like it is because it is um, naturally synthesized by the body, so it is usually really well tolerated. I haven't had anyone have... Um, reactions to it and I have very very sensitive uh, clients in my practice but this um, PEA has been shown in research to reduce uh, inflammatory cytokines and chemokines that are uh, produced by mast cells so the theory is that it should be helping to calm these mast cells down and I'm having people have really good responses to it and sometimes we combine that um, with some luteolin, which also has excellent mast cell stabilizing properties and is a good antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. And so luteolin, I do um, usually introduce that individually and make sure that that's okay first, and then we can kind of do a combination of PEA and luteolin to calm down the the, the brain inflammation, the mast cell brain inflammation.
0: And you would try the luteolin before you would try the PEA? I know. I, I I agree. We never give two things at the same time. Start with one and watch what what symptoms might may or may not arise. And then, after a few days or so, if everything's going well, then you can add in something else. But um, the luteolin, you you would ha- you would uh, first take that one and then the PEA.
1: Um, for for children on the spectrum, I would probably try the PEA first mm-hmm. because it's so well tolerated, and then I would probably go to the luteolin. Now, with the PA, you do have to dose it up. So you want to base it on the the weight of the child. So um, the dosage is, of course, based on a 150-pound adult. But if you go – so I'll give you the adult dosage, and then that would have to be modified for whatever the child's weight is. But it's typically you start with three capsules twice a day for a 150-pound adult for 30 days of PEA and then you see if you can step down to two capsules twice a day and maintain the benefits and then see if you can, ca- after 30 days, step to one capsule twice a day. So for, say, a 50-pound child, you would start with one capsule twice a day and then you might be able to step down to um, a half a capsule or um, and then to maybe a fourth a capsule.
0: Right, or you so can that would make stay
1: sense. with the one capsule twice a day,
0: mhm, and also, depending on their like so their age and their size um i I, uh, I utilize muscle testing to sometimes know what the right starting dosage is and then modify from there as well um. So, you know, we're going to take a last short break and then uh, we'll be back. So, uh, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. We will be right back. And just so you know, I have created show notes for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 42, And I will be adding to those as well. Uh, hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. And today we're talking about mast cell activation and could it be hijacking your autism protocol? We have Dr. Beth O'Hara with us today. She's a naturopath who specializes in mast cell activation and again I have created show notes for you for today's show that I will also be adding to at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 42 uh, just the numbers 42 and we just have a little bit of time left here today but uh, We wanted to share with you a little bit something that's very, very important. And and Dr. O'Hara, why don't you talk about how mast cells uh, can be activated uh, if people try to push through a protocol too quickly and create what we know as die-off or Herxheimer reaction.
1: Right. This is something that really concerns me. I see um, children on the spectrum and even um, adults with mast cell issues that aren't on the spectrum, but anybody that's working detoxification or pathogen killing protocols. When they start going um, a little too fast for the body, you can get these Herx reactions, which are where the toxins that are building from the pathogen die off, or the detoxification is running too fast, you can get increased brain fog and diarrhea, and flushing and just generally feeling really bad. And a lot of people try to push through this and they think, well, that's just natural part of the die-off process, I need to just push through. But it's actually an indication that that protocol is too fast for this body and the toxins are overwhelming the body's system. And that can really set people back because those toxins can overstimulate the mast cells and when we get these Herx reactions that people keep trying to push through, that can set up these mast cell cascades we were talking about earlier. So I warn people, unless there's a really, really good reason, like a serious acute infection, never to push through. And this is because mast cells can have up to a one-year life cycle. So if you push through and set up mast cell activation syndrome or worse than mast cell activation syndrome, I've seen it take six months to a year sometimes for those dysregulated mast cells to turn over. And we have to really remember with um, anybody with mast cell activation syndrome, anybody on the autism spectrum, we're dealing with very sensitive systems,
0: and these require sensitive approaches. That's interesting. So mast cells have a one-year life cycle?
1: Yes, they can live up to a year. So we think about once they're dysregulated, um, they can stay dysregulated for a while, and it can take a lot to calm them back down.
0: And the calming factors are some of the supplements that you mentioned, like the um, the specific type of magnesium that you mentioned, and the PEA, and then the right diet, and just basically just getting the system back into balance. Is that right?
1: And and addressing all of those underlying root triggers. And I knew mm-hmm. we wouldn't have time to cover all of those um, possible root causes today. So I did make a free report on these root causes for your listeners and so um, people can find those, Karen, at mastcell360.com slash free report. And I have a lot about uh, mast cells and histamine there on that website. And anyone's welcome to reach out to me through that contact page if they have any questions. And some parents might be wondering if they or their other children may even have mast cell activation syndrome. And it often runs
0: in families. Interesting. So it's uh, somewhat of, uh, sounds like possibly a genetic predisposition.
1: Right, and then we think that families living in the same household might be exposed to some of the same toxins or same pathogens.
0: Right, I always tell parents too, the leaf doesn't fall too far from the tree, so if you notice your child has symptoms or if you have symptoms, vice versa, you're going to see them in each other. Um, that's why it's important that the whole family get treated for things and get get in balance and get you know go through the whole process I mean basically what i I suggest for autism recovery, I suggest everybody in the entire household go through, especially you know pathogenic bacteria and things that we breathe out or if we we share our germs in uh, sharing water sharing food things like that that we can keep passing them back and forth so, um, yeah, it is important to, to look at everybody in, in the family involved and the symptoms that everybody has. So, again, um, mastcell360.com is Dr. O'Hara's website. I will link to that in the show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 42. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Hara, for being here with us today. I greatly appreciate your health, your, um, your expertise, and you being here with us today. Thank you so much, Karen. And I believe it's next week or the week after soon, I have a show on enzymes specifically with an enzyme sp- specialist as well. So stay with us. Have a great week. Week We will see you uh, next